Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Fans, welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Tuesday. We've got a special edition of the show. We've got a lot of breaking news and stuff that's been happening around the USC football program. And oh, by the way, Week Zero's game against San Jose State is just four days away. Coming up on Saturday night, 5 p.m. in the Coliseum. So we're going to talk about that. We've got to talk about USC hiring a new athletic director. We've got a big commitment uh, from the quarterback position. And we're going to do all that with uh, Connor Morissette, who's sitting alongside of me. If you're listening on any of the podcasting platforms, thanks for doing that. If you're watching us live or on replay over on our YouTube channel, our simulcast, youtube.com uh, slash Inside Troy, we appreciate you doing that. Uh, and if you have questions or comments for our show, we'll keep doing these every week during the season. It looks like the, the schedule will be Wednesdays at 1 uh, p.m. is when we'll probably be doing these regularly uh, every week. So if you want to watch us on YouTube It'll be Wednesdays at 1 before we head to USC football practice. You can do that there. And, of course, listen uh, whenever you want at your leisure uh, on the podcasting platforms. But if you have questions for future shows, podcast at uscfootball.com is the email address, or you can call or text us at 424-254-9141. That's the number. And uh, we appreciate you subscribing anywhere. If you have the Apple Podcasting app, that's great, too. Subscribe to the show, follow us, and uh, give us a five-star rating. That always helps to grow things and you know what helps growing things like well, we get to talk about positive news connor well welcome in thanks for coming on man how are you doing really well what an exciting week for usc fans new ad a top quarterback commits to usc today chance that quarterback reclassifies potentially so he could get to campus maybe earlier than some people expect and then the season it's not an afterthought at all but it seems like an afterthought this week with everything that's going on the season starts saturday so a lot of great stuff going on right now it is pretty crazy that the uh you know the week zero game is coming up uh usc versus san jose state and we're gonna actually preview that a little bit later so jackson moore who publishes uh, inside the spartans for 24 7 sports network we're gonna have him join by phone just kind of talk you might not know much about the san jose state spartan team uh, went seven five last year he got a returning quarterback uh, we'll kind of talk about some of the aspects of this game um, with Jackson a little bit later on, but we got to get to, well, we, before we get to that, we got to get some breaking news. Uh, I do want to thank everyone that came out uh, on Friday before Salute to Troy. Uh, they came out to Trader Joe's over at the University Village, and uh, Connor and I were there, and Jack Smith was there. He'll be back, by the way. Jack's going to be back. Um, he'll be on Tunnel Vision uh, Thursday night. We're going to do a live show 7 p.m., Tunnel Vision at 7 PM, so make sure you check uh, that out. Uh, but he'll also be uh, on instant analysis this week. He'll be down to practice. So probably you and uh, Jack will or do that, Connor, if you're cool with that. Great. I know um, Chris wants to do the one where he doesn't have to make a prediction about the game. So he might do, maybe he'll do Tuesdays <laughs> and you'll do Wednesdays. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Um, so yeah, so we'll have Jack back. But he was out there. A whole bunch of USC fans uh, came by. We gave away crazy 800 of those Trader they Joe's went quick too they were we you know students were moving in we had a whole bunch of students come by I brought a lot of like these fight on stickers and they were given away too and the Trader Joe's staff couldn't have been any better they were amazing uh so it was great to uh talk with them 
But a lot of people came by. Some just came by because they wanted to to get a bag. Some were on their way to salute to Troy. But I just wanted to give a shout out to uh, Trader Joe's. They provided a bunch of drinks and snacks for everybody. They were over there and uh, people really enjoyed it. Coming by, and there were some bum faces, Connor, when uh, when they ran out of bags. I know you had to run and go to cover a high school game, uh, but I stuck around till about five thirty or so. And yeah, there was we had run out of bags probably like an hour. Like they were going fast. Yeah, it was so great to meet so many fans, and just thank you to everyone who came up, approached me, had nice things to say. I really appreciate it, Ryan. We've talked about how I've been here a little over a month now, and the transition's been. Been great as far as I'm concerned. I hope you feel the same way. Um, but thank you to everyone. I, I just got a lot of nice feedback, and it was great meeting so many fans, so many nice people. Yeah, there were a lot of nice people, and you don't have to say like good things in front of Connor, you know, <laughs> Connor, Connor to me. He's gonna be asking for money. He's just been here a month. Like, what do you want, guys? So give me a little break. No, but it was it was great to see. Um, yeah, it was great to see uh, all the people come out. And I'm putting some comments up here. Ted said. Uh, I heard the event at Trader Joe's was really nice. Hate I missed it. Yeah, it was. It was. It was great. Um, it was funny. People from different walks of life uh, would come up to you. I got a. I got a magnet over there from. Uh, there was a couple of uh, you know Chinese students that were part of like this you know Chinese alumni USC alumni thing. They're big football fans. They gave me a, a labeled. Uh, I have it over sitting on there. I should have put it on camera, but I have it over there sitting there. Um, I had I, this guy Eric comes up to me. I just wanted to give him a shout out and, you know, he kind of came towards the end and we had run out of bags and he had said like, you've helped me through difficult times in my life with your podcast. Uh, he had a couple deaths in the family, including his cousin who was a retired firefighter. And he was like, I would go to bed listening to you guys. And it would make me feel better. And it just was like, it felt so touched. I was like, Oh, I mean, you know, if any way we could help, that'd be great. So I just wanted to give him a uh, shout out. I had to go back in the store and find an extra bag for him. So I made sure he got a bag, but um, that was really nice, but there was just a lot of great stories. Um, people coming up and, you know, from, like I said, all walks of life, we had a grad student from Thornton music school. She was, uh, you know, a fan of the podcast, like listening to the shows. And so it, it was cool to, to see everyone and, and get to hear from them. Um, and so those events are great. I love, you know, meeting people and, um, taking pictures and everything. Like that's a weird experience, right? People want to take your picture. <laughs> I had, I, someone had, I had to autograph the bag. So I had to sign two bags. I'm like, I don't ever signed a Trader Joe's bag before, but I was like, sure, that's cool. Uh, but it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I did get the picture treatment, but not the signed bag treatment. So maybe a few more months, a few more years on the job with you, that might change. Maybe I'll get an autograph ask at some point. But now the pictures, I was telling my girlfriend after, I don't think anyone's who I've met that I didn't know before has ever asked me to take a photo before. So that was really funny. <laughs> People you don't know are like, oh, can we take a picture with you? I'm like, sure, why not? Um, it was fun. Yeah. The, the autograph thing was, I'm like, why do you want my autograph? Like, I don't know. That's fine. Uh, it, it's honor. It's, a, it's an honor, you know, to do stuff like that. So, uh, but thanks for everyone that came out. Um, it was really fun and hopefully we can do some more. Um, love to give away more bags and stuff too. Uh, it's just really tough and if it's not in person. So, uh, but the people that, I mean, they love them and I've had people say, oh yeah, I, I went to, on my way home, I stopped at a different Trader Joe's just so I could use the bag and stuff. So you could, it's funny, you know, I use those bags all the time and you can use them at, you know, wherever, wherever you need reusable bags, but it's cool to go into Trader Joe's and they usually ask you about it. Like, oh, where'd you get this? And, uh, and all that. So they're the promotional bags, you know, they don't sell them. They just give them away. So, um, but yeah, that was a lot of fun. Thanks again to Trader Joe's. Uh, it was, they, they just really helped us put on a great event. Uh, all right. Well, I want to get into some uh, 
breaking news. Uh, we have a bunch of breaking news, but we're going to start with stuff that happened this morning. There was a little, little text thread that was going around for us, for our staff, and Gerard is like, you know, Gerard's up early, you know, something big. And uh, USC picks up a commitment um, in the class of 2026, so he's, you know, 12 years old or whatever that is. Um, no, but he's, he's been getting attention since he was 12 years old, I think. Uh, Juju Lewis uh, is committed to USC. I don't know if you want to Tell the fans about him a little bit, Connor. Six foot one, 185 pounds. Yeah, right. so just, again, you, you, he's such a young kid, so you don't want to build him up too much, but the hype with this kid is real. He played at, he plays at Carrollton in Georgia, and last year he led his team all the way to the state championship where they lost as a freshman, but he put together a season that really has been unparalleled recently in terms of freshman quarterbacks at that level. He's playing at the best level in Georgia, and just he's – really advanced beyond his years. So I wouldn't be surprised, Ryan, if Juju Lewis reclassifies and we see him a year earlier, like I said. And I think the exciting part with this is you have that pillar in your recruiting class in 2025, and that'll be Lincoln Riley's third recruiting class if he does reclassify, which I think he's going to. You have that pillar in 2025, and then that'll be Lincoln Riley's third real recruiting class. So I think that opens a window where USC could be dangerously good with him as a pillar as a true freshman in that class looking ahead uh, to his first year on campus if everything goes right and he stays Zion or Zach Branch excuse me would be a third-year guy Deuce Robinson a third-year guy so just the fact that he's going to come on when Lincoln Riley's done uh, two recruiting classes before that I think is really significant and then you really open a, a window where if you're a USC fan you should be really excited I think that is uh, the biggest most significant part of this news, the fact that it's a few years down the line, that'll give Lincoln Riley a chance to get all of his recruits in here and then really start cooking. No, I agree with you there. And, uh, you know, whenever you get a, a high-profile quarterback, they kind of play Pied Piper for recruiting classes, and you're like, hey, come play with us, come play with us. And like you said, if he reclassifies to the next class, um, that would be, you know, a very big deal too. And we'll see what happens. You know, this obviously a lot of uh, – you know, we're, we're waiting on this season right now, but you're looking to 2024, first year in the Big Ten. Um, you know, assuming you're not going to have Caleb Williams, uh, you're not going to have like a Juju Lewis. You know, you have Malachi Nelson, you have Miller Moss, um, potentially bringing a transfer. So it'll be interesting to see how that kind of goes. But getting sort of like, you know, it could be Malachi, it could be Juju Lewis wanting that franchise quarterback, I guess, with, um, you know, with a, a quarterback whisperer like uh, Lincoln Riley. You kind of need those guys. But um, for him, I think. I think Malcolm Nelson did a good job helping with that first recruiting class. And then it sounds like Juju Lewis might be the guy sort of leading maybe his third class like you talked about. And then on the flip side, this is another big offensive win. And if you're a USC fan, the transfer portal in terms of defensive players has bared a lot of fruit, especially this most recent transfer class. But you do want to start to see more defensive top 100 guys come in to a recruiting class. Right now in 2024, we just saw Dakota Fields decommit. He was a top 100 guy. That's a significant loss. You hope that a player like Juju Lewis, of course, offensive guys will want to play for him, but you hope his talent is so transcendent and people see it on the defensive side of the ball that they'll want to join as well. Um, so another massive recruiting win on the offensive side of the ball. You just got to hope, too, that this will bring some defensive guys along in the future, too, because I think that's a huge part of what USC wants to do, of course. You can only do so much, I believe, in the transfer portal. The best way to establish a really dominant defense is by recruiting we all know it if you can get a five-star a high four-star guy and, and they do really well those guys aren't going to leave in the transfer portal so 
we see like Bear Alexander leave from Georgia, that's because he wasn't getting an opportunity. If he's the best he could possibly be and he's a true freshman All-American and you missed out on him recruiting him out of high school, a guy like that's probably going to stay at Georgia. You know what I'm saying? So you just hope that this can be a transcendent recruit in that regard and help bring some defensive guys along as well. All right. Uh, Michael said, uh, is he reclassifying? And that's, you know, there's been talk of that, right? Like that's, that's definitely a potential. A lot of talk with that. I know people remember JT Daniels reclassifying and then that didn't really work out. And that might give people some pause and say, hey, let, let the kid be a kid. And I totally get it. But with Lewis, I just feel like he's not playing on an all-star team in Georgia the way JT Daniels was. I think that made his life a heck of a lot easier at modern day. And I just think he is a little bit more advanced. Again, it's a big projection. The, the kid is young. You don't want to put too much on him, and I'm clearly doing that right now. So I, I'm trying to, to keep it all grounded. But I do think he could reclassify. I think it's very likely because he's just had so much success, and uh, I think he's ready. I, I really believe that. Yeah. All right. Um, let's see. Well, we got some other – any other thoughts on uh, Julian Lewis there? He's the number one uh, player, and and so he's he's not. So if you look, we put the graphic up here. I'll put it up. Um, he's a four star, but they don't have five stars yet for twenty twenty six. But he's the number one ranked player in that class, so he would be a five star when that comes around. I forget when they start giving out five stars, but uh, the fact that he's the top player is a, obviously a big deal. He's the next guy. ESPN did a ranking of the top recruits, regardless of class, earlier in the offseason, and he was number one out of anyone in 2024, 25, 26. So that's the kind of potential, that's the kind of talent you're looking at. And if you're a USC fan, we'd all know how recruiting goes. You just got to hope you can hold on to him. But I just think Lincoln Riley and what he's done with quarterbacks, it, it sells itself. And the fact that there is some question marks going forward about the quarterback position after Caleb Williams leaves. It looks like Lewis could come in and win that job immediately, potentially. Again, who the heck knows what's going to happen, but there is a chance that he could come in and play right away. I'm sure that's exciting as well. And three years with Lincoln Riley, you really can't do much better if you're a quarterback. No. Uh, we had one other question on this. Might as well just talk about while we're here. Because we don't talk a lot of recruiting usually on the show. But uh, Noah, any chance he moves out west for high school? I guess like a Dylan Royola, Royola kind of situation. I can't speak to that at all. People on Twitter I see are floating that he could go to modern day, but I know Cole Leonard is waiting in the wings, and he is going to be, after Elijah Brown, modern day's next quarterback. So you just wonder if Julian Lewis did come in, that would mean Leonard would have to wait again and not play as a junior. I do not want to speculate at all. That's one thing that I've seen. Haven't heard anything from anyone reputable about that. I am not sure. Yeah. All right. Uh, and it, so uh, there is, if you're listening on a podcasting platform, we actually had just two podcasts come out very recently. <laughs> um, the Helium Boys comp podcast with uh, Shotgun Spratling and Chris Trevino, that came out. And then they also recorded this morning. And so by the time you listen to this, you'll pro- it'll probably be out. Uh, an emergency uh, two-star recruits composite podcast um, about the commitment of uh, – of Julian Lewis. So it's a short one in compared to the the normal (laughs) ones, like an hour and a half or something, or it's something like that, but it's not, it's not a three hour show, but they did, they recorded one of those uh, on Tuesday morning. So that should be coming out soon. Um, So you can kind of check that out as well. If you want a lot more details on USC football recruiting, we got some more um, breaking news. Uh, If you remember in May, Mike Bone, it's funny, it's still like local news this morning. It was like Mike Bond. It's like, no, I mean, he's been around here for a while. Maybe you should know how to pronounce his name. Mike Bone uh, stepped down and USC went into search mode for a new athletic director. 
And uh, give I'm going to give USC credit, Connor, keeping things pretty quiet. Um, I know the LA Times came out with a, a pretty detailed story over the weekend, I believe it was, and uh, you know all the who was vetted and who was being interviewed and all this stuff. Didn't mention Jen Cohen's name, and not only was she announced as the hire on Monday morning, but she starts today, uh, and it's actually her birthday today. So happy birthday, oh, to Jen I didn't Cohen! Know that. Yeah, I saw on Twitter. Uh, so Jen Cohen, I, I'm putting. If you're watching on YouTube, putting a picture with her and USC President Carol Folt. So she is the tenth athletic director in USC history. Um, I believe the first that's ever been hired, hired from a Power Five program, at least in the last you know several decades. Um, you know, coming over from the University of Washington, where she took over in 2016, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, the first female athletic director in USC history. So uh, they kept things pretty quiet. She starts today. So, you know, I, the fact that they have an athletic director starting before the start of the football season. And Carol Fold even mentioned, Connor, um, that, you know, they, they had her start on the first day of classes. I guess yesterday was the first day of classes. So uh, pretty cool to get her in there. Um, I know they're... I, Everyone I talk to from the University of Washington is very upset. Or like, if you're a, a diehard Washington fan, they liked her as the athletic director. I think that would be probably the best sign. Uh, it seems like a lot of USC fans are get behind it. Some have not, but uh, for everything I've heard from people I talk to that are dialed in at Washington was very positive. I met her once uh, in the press box at a USC Washington game a few years back, and uh, seemed very nice. Uh, she was great when we got to go to her press conference yesterday. Just when she was, you know, addressing the entire room with press corps and coaches, uh, there was a bunch of coaches from all the different sports uh, that were there, kind of watching their new boss come in and uh, be announced as the uh, the new athletic director. And then we had a little scrum with her afterwards, and she was very fun. And um, I thought it was, you know, well done. I liked the venue where they did it in over at the Ronald Tudor Campus Center. Uh, more of an academic sort of feel in there, but a lot of cameras. Uh, a lot of media, but also a lot of, you know, administrators, a lot of people from the athletic department, and a lot of coaches, head coaches that were just there watching her uh, uh, get, you know, take, you know, take the reins over and uh, take over the USC athletic director position. But I thought it was, to me, happy with the hire. I think USC did a really good job. I don't. What did you get your thoughts on it, Connor? Yeah, I am with you, Ryan. A lot of positive feedback. I've heard the same which again, we talked on instant analysis. You can't predict the future, so who knows what the heck's going to happen. But in terms of right now, today, USC fans, I'm sure they would have wanted a Power 5 athletic director who had a lot of experience, who's made some big football hires, done a really good job dating back to uh, working in an athletic department in the last 20 years. She started at as the athletic director in 2016 at Washington, but she'd been there since the 90s. So just someone who's been in college athletics for a long time and has a great track record. And yeah, John Canzano, who's covers college football up there in the Pacific North Northwest. He mentioned it's a scary good hire. He wrote in a column yesterday. So I'm excited about it. I, I think USC fans should be excited about it too. And when you just look at the future of college football and where USC is right now, getting a massive share of money from the Big Ten, going at that full share in year one as opposed to Oregon and Washington who are going in at half. Uh, Lincoln Riley is here. Mike Bone, got to give him credit. He made some really good hires outside of football. Of course, the biggest one being Lincoln Riley, but Andy Stankiewicz looks like a great hire. Lindsey Gottlieb looks like a great hire. USC is in a really good position, and now they bring in an athletic director who's seasoned, has a great reputation, who people seem to really like and respect, and 
I had a colleague tell me, I, I've known Jen Cohen for 20 years, love her to death is what he said. She, this reputation is, is, is really, really strong. And I think the most important thing, USC right now is in a good spot. They brought in someone who's just going to continue that upward trajectory, someone with a lot of experience, a great reputation, who I think is going to do a really good job. Yeah, I would, uh, I would agree with you there, Connor, as far as what you hear from other people. Um, you can look at the resume and Caleb DeBoer probably being the biggest win. Uh, you know, USC went from a four-win team to an 11-win team. So did Washington. Um, and Caleb DeBoer was a great hire there. But I'm getting, you know, colleagues in the media, people that uh, have followed this, and a lot of people that were very critical of USC and their hiring practices and what they've been doing. And, uh, you know, I've been just as critical, you know, hiring Pat Hayden, Lynn Swan, just bad, you know, bad ideas. I was fine with with Mike Bone. And I feel like at the time in 2019, USC wasn't going to be able to get a sitting Power 5 athletic director all that easily. Uh, but Mike Bone did a lot of things that the department – um, is in much better shape in 2019, I mean, in 2023 than it was in 2019 when Bone came on. And it allowed USC to go out and get someone with this kind of, these her kind of credentials. And uh, so I feel like, you know, getting a Power 5 athletic director is a really big deal, someone that's had a lot of success, and someone that, you know, was born in Southern California and is very excited uh, to be here. And we got a column coming out uh, from Dan Weber. Uh, it'll be coming up on the site pretty soon. And one of the things that he talked about in there, and I want to get your thoughts on this, is when you hired like Lynn Swan, he's done what he wanted to do in life. Like he's a pro football hall of famer. It's a great point. And it's just like, he was just going to be the athletic director at USC to, to do it, you know, and, and Pat Hayden, they weren't, this was like, you know, Jen Cohen's dream. You know, she had written letters to Don James at, at Washington. She wanted to be a coach someday. And, she was at she was the athletic director of University of Washington, which is kind of like the pinnacle of what she wanted. And there's only like a couple things that would make her want to leave. And one of them is to be the athletic director at USC. And this is not a like, I'm just happy to be here. So a lot of the people that USC would hire was like, and when you had Clay Helton, the head coach, you were, you were uh it was Peter Principled, you were promoted above your um what you know, your abilities, and now you're just trying to hold on to this job. You're like, I, I gotta stay here. Like I'm USC's this or that. And like, I shouldn't be here. So I just need to like do whatever I can to stay. This is not someone that's doing that. This is someone that had strived to become this and could excel and talk about winning championships in all 21 sports. I think Dan, you, you'll like the story. I'm sorry. I probably uh, stepped all over his column because I got to read it <laughs> earlier, but um, I think it was a really good point about this is not, you know, it's not a stepping stone thing. It's not a, just like you're handing this job because you've done a whole bunch of stuff in your past. This is someone that wants to come in and absolutely crush it for USC Athletics. Couldn't agree more. I wish I thought of that point. Great point by Dan. And Ryan, I'll draw on my experience. So as a college student, I went to Syracuse in New York. And when I was there, they hired Mark Coyle, who was at Boise State. And he was going to be Syracuse's next AD. Everyone was over the moon. Did a great job at Boise State. He was an up-and-comer, someone who fans at Central New York were really excited about. He spent one year at Syracuse and then jetted off to Minnesota, where he still is today. And that LA Times story you mentioned earlier, he was floated as a candidate for USC. But the reason I bring that up is because it was a stepping stone. Syracuse was a stepping stone for Mark Coyle to go on and do something else. A great AD, but he didn't stick around. Listening to Jen Cohen yesterday, it sounds like she's going to stick around and 
I think everything you just said is spot on, and I'm excited to read Dan's column. This isn't a stepping stone job. She's planning to be here for a while. You hope what she said is true, and, and, and she means it. We Again, you can't tell the future, and if something does happen and she leaves, that would be a shame because uh, you just got to take what she said at face value yesterday. But but I totally agree. I, I Being involved in, in college athletics for such a long time, you see stuff where you do make a dream higher, and then that person is on to the next greatest thing, and you hope that doesn't happen with Lincoln Riley in the NFL, and that'll be Jen Cohen's biggest um, thing here at USC is keeping Coach Riley happy. So I, I agree with with Dan's point. I agree with your point. Not a stepping stone job. I think she's going to be here for a long time, and that's maybe the most important thing in all of this. Yeah, um, it's it's one of those things where like if Texas called in a couple of years, I think she's fine where she's at, and she's she said one of the bigger adjustments she's made is she's just sent her youngest son off to play college football, I believe, at Montana. So she has two uh, sons that are you know grown now. They're empty nesters and. Um, you know, they're both playing college athletics. So her understanding from the athlete's point of view and everything I've heard from the people that have covered her there is she's a bulldog as far as fighting for student athletes rights. She'll fight, uh, up, you know, upper campus. She'll fight, you know, what she needs to do. Uh, it sounds like she has a good relationship with, uh, with Carol Fultz. So I think she'll probably get the resources she needs, but she's someone that definitely is competitive and is fighting. And it was interesting to hear her son, you know, what she was saying when she talked to her son, about, you know, oh, can I come to USC games? Can I be out on the sidelines? Like how excited they were for something like that. So, uh, yeah, I feel like, you know, she's in her like mid fifties, I believe. Um, you got Lincoln Riley, who's not even 40 years old yet. You know, they could stick around for a long time and do some really good things, uh, in the athletic department. And I know some people had talked about a softball team, which has sort of been a, um, you know, it's on the bucket list for a lot of USC fans. They'd love to get a softball team in with so much talent. Uh, in Southern California and you know, Washington has a great softball tradition and that maybe that's something that gets it done. I, I mean, I remember talking to Pat Hayden about this and he was just like, it's just, there's no way to work it in the budget. And I know there's, there's issues with trying to get space to have uh, a softball team because you're in a landlocked, uh, landlocked uh, campus. But if there's a way to get it done, I feel like uh, Jen Cohen might be the person to do that. But I, you know, by USC fan, I'm I'm pretty excited the way things are going. With you're going to the Big Ten, you got Lincoln Riley's head coach, and you got a real athletic director. And I even said this, Connor, when when Mike Bone got hired, I'm like, I don't know if he's going to be great. I think he's going to be at least pretty good, and that's what you need. If you're pretty good, you can get this athletic department out of the the dumps and get it to a respectable place. He did that, at least did that, and probably more than that. And then you know, at some point, you can go hire your like ace ad that you really want and i think she has the potential to be that sort of ace ad that you would really want to take you into the you know to win more national championships and to be great at football for a longer period of time and sustain success and all of that I, I think she has the potential to be that person her experience at washington makes me agree and makes me think that the ceiling is or the floor excuse me is high you know what i mean like She's not going to come in and make rookie mistakes. She's not inexperienced. She she knows what she's doing. So I think right away that will lead to a high floor. And one last thing on this, Ryan, I wanted to bring up. Um, our colleague who works for the Washington side, I don't want to mispronounce his last name. Is it Kim Grinolds? Kim Grinolds. Kim yeah. Grinolds. So uh, I wrote a column and, and he commented on it. Jen brought in an associate AD to handle all the other sports so she could focus on football at Washington. I'd expect her first day in the job will be all football. She believes if you want to support the Olympic sports, support football. She's going to have a big, big <laughs> emphasis on football. And yeah. this is a football podcast. We're USCfootball.com. That's the thing. 
that drives the bus at USC. She knows that. I think that should be music to USC's fan, USC fans' ears, the fact that she understands how big a deal football is, and otherwise she, she wouldn't have been hired for this role. Yeah, I think if yeah, if, <laughs> just you saying that, Connor, is uh, okay, she's going to focus on football. Um, you know, we've seen in the past, even when you've had former football players, I'm not saying they didn't focus on football, but they didn't focus on much of anything. They didn't really know what they were doing, so it wasn't – um, I think Mike Bowen did a good job, obviously focusing on football. You're moving to the Big Ten because of football. You're hiring Lincoln Riley to support everything else uh, with football, and and it's good that you know Jen Cohen's going to come in there and really know like you, she knows where your bread is buttered. She knows how you're going to be successful, and football is that. So I I think that's going to be music to a lot of USC fans yep. there. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, all right. I want to get into. We should have uh, Jackson calling in here uh, pretty soon. The the athletic director position, timing-wise, I feel like this is important because everything's changing right now. I mean, as far as the college football landscape, I asked her a question about uh, NIL uh, during the, the press conference, and she definitely wants to support student-athletes um, you know, any way she can. I talked to her, asked her about the schedule. And they're in the works of that because if you remember, we had a schedule for 2024 and 2025 for the Big Ten. You got to rip that up now because Oregon and Washington are joining. And I, you know, she's probably in the most unique position of anyone that she was negotiating Washington and now she's at USC. Um, and she said that, you know, that's something they're working on uh, schedule wise too. But even the Olympic sports, uh, and I asked her about that when we had our little media scrum, the travel and stuff. So I think she's aware of these potential problems with this new era. But I think you needed someone to be you know, a powerful voice in the room. And she's on the college football playoff uh, committee. I think she can be that powerful voice because you need to advocate for um, you know these West Coast schools. You have four West Coast schools now in the Big Ten, which is primarily you know, a Midwest conference with some um, you know, from East Coast stuff. So having someone in place while these negotiations go on, while the the really figuring out what you're going to do with all the non-revenue sports, you need good representation uh, from USC. So I think the schedule was good that came out in 2024. And even though that was, Mike Bone wasn't around, I think a lot of the groundwork had been laid for that. Uh, but I think the timing is good. You know, before the season, you get this going, about three months, it seems about right. So I, I kind of like the way this all worked out timing-wise. Me too. I, I don't envy her having to figure out the logistics for all these Olympic sports going yeah. into the Big Ten. And the problem is, as an athletic director, the easiest thing to do is to have football just do its own thing and then have the Olympic sports play regionally. But you can't advocate for that because then conferences change and things get a little bit tricky. So that's the easiest solution but that's when she can't advocate for. So she has to go with something that's going to be a lot harder. And that is a logistical nightmare. But it sounds like, Ryan, she had a lot of experience at Washington starting to have those discussions and think about that. So I think that uh, should very or should bode very well, excuse me, for USC. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, that was good. We uh, we have uh, our, our friend uh, Jackson Moore on the uh, on the line, I believe. Let me um, I got a little graphic for you. So if you're there and I'm going to unmute Jackson. So Jackson does a great job covering uh, the San Jose State Spartans, um, and USC and San Jose State will be playing on Saturday uh, in the Coliseum. Um, any kind of uh, you know overall? The, a uh, lot right, of US- right, it sounds like people can't hear him. Okay, right. You, you want to try it again, Jackson? Sure. I know Jackson <laughs> can't 
the, the audience can't hear you, so I, I can just preview some of my questions. I, I'm really interested in the San Jose State offensive line doing some reading before this. It sounds like a lot of guys who were on the line last year that wasn't a very good line are, are back. So even though there were some struggles last year, I'm really interested in seeing how a new and improved USC front seven goes up against a line that has some experience, but like I said, wasn't that great a year ago. So I, I think the con- cohesion um, of that San Jose State offensive line is something I'm looking for. And then, of course, on the offensive side of the ball, I hope I'm saying the quarterback's name right, the first name, but Chevon Cordero is the preseason um, conference player of the year for on offense for San Jose State. So it's not like USC is going up against some no-name QB in, in week zero. That's that's probably the, the biggest thing in this game. I, I'm curious the most about the offensive line, but the quarterback play for, for San Jose State I'm really interested in as well, and we'll see if he can be protected. I think that is something that USC fans may not know, the fact that San Jose State is a pretty good quarterback coming into this game. So um, definitely something to monitor. And the spread, I think, is 30 and a half the last I looked. So that's a lot of points. And if yeah. San Jose State is able to score some points with their their all-league, all-conference quarterback, that could certainly hurt USC trying to cover that spread. Uh, all things that I'm excited to talk about and get to the bottom of here. Hopefully we can do it. Yeah, I, I mean, good points you were talking about. Um in there with uh, with San Jose State. I mean, this is a team that was seven and five last year. Like you said, returning quarterback, um, a lot of experience, transferred in from Hawaii. He got sacked a bunch yeah. last year. I think that was one of the oh, yeah. potential issues. So, I mean, that could be something for USC, their pass rush, but also not a um, not a team that turned the ball over a lot. And I think that could be an interesting aspect for USC because you know in the opener last year. You just had a crap load of turnovers, three pick sixes, and um, some other issues. Uh, you know, they they forced turnovers. It kind of made that game. Um, they covered the spread in that one, but it was mostly because you had a whole bunch of pick sixes. Like otherwise, it wouldn't have been covering the spread against a, a pretty you know not that good Rice team. I think in this case, um, it'll give you an opportunity to. You're probably not going to get a lot of turnovers. But you can force a bunch of uh, stops, force some three and outs. I think that's what we need to see from this defense more than just get a whole bunch of turnovers in the first game that people are like, oh, it's the same thing that happened last year. I think you want to get some stops, and I think that will go a long way. The lack of turnovers last year for San Jose State makes me really believe in the coaching staff there. Brent Brennan does a really good job with not a whole lot on that roster. So I think you got to look to him as a, as a veteran coach, a guy who, who does a nice job. And on offense, they bring some people back, but the defense looks a little bit different for San Jose State than it did a year ago. So the hope for USC, I think, is your offense is loaded and you you go out and you score a lot of points on an inexperienced defense. And then you hope your defensive line can take advantage of an offensive line that was lackluster last season. That, to me, looks like the the path for we're not going to talk wins and losses. I think we're, we should just talk covering the spread in terms of this first game because just the talent gap is so wide. Yeah. All right. Uh, I think we might have Jackson on again. Jackson, are you there? Doesn't look like we can't hear him on this time, so I'm not sure. Uh, but he's, he's, there's video and stuff. Is, uh, I could see his screen. Uh, I could see a blank screen there, but yeah, good technology. We love all this stuff. Um, we'll try that again uh, in a minute. Uh, otherwise, I can give him a call, uh, and we can try this a whole different, different way, but uh, different ways to do this. Um, I think as far as like anticipating an opener. I mean, last year you wanted to see what Lincoln Riley could do. You wanted to see Caleb Williams. You wanted to see the offense and 
and all that. And uh, the defense kind of stole the show by getting all those pick sixes. I think this is going to be about, you know, if, if USC scores every time. Um, yeah. So uh, if, if USC scores every time, that's fine. I think people expect that you want to see stops and this is, people are going to be focused on the defense now. So even if Caleb Williams throws for like 10 touchdowns, they're like, well, what did the defense do? You know, uh, if you win 150, people are not going to be happy, obviously. Um, so I think all eyes are going to be on the defensive side. Some betters might be happy if they win 150 because then their bets will hit. <laughs> but yeah. I, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, getting stops is going to be the key, and it's an offense that has some pieces. So it's a Mountain West school, obviously not Power 5. They kind of are putting stuff together the, the best way they can over at San Jose State. The, the roster is very different than USC. But yeah, it's not going to look like Rice, I don't think, in terms of a team that just gives you a, a few touchdowns. I, I think USC will at least have to work for for some plays. But Ryan, do you remember in the spring game when when USC, the, the offense, the first team, they scored in three plays against USC's first team defense? One series, three plays, can't take too much away from it. I just think that the offense is going to come out guns blazing in this game, and I, I feel for that San Jose State defense. I Yeah, it's one of those things where it's been a long off season. You had two games to end the season that really left a bad taste in your mouth with, uh, you know, Utah and the Pac-12 championship game. And then of course, Tulane blowing that late lead uh, in the cotton bowl. You've, you've had to hear about it. You want to get yeah. back on the field. Uh, it's a reconstituted team and all of that. And then boom, here you are. This is uh this is what you've kind of waited for. So you feel like gangbusters is the right way to go. You feel like this is how that's going to happen. Um, and they're going to just come out and, uh, and just crush things. So I feel like that's kind of the way things are probably going to go. Um, and they're just going to come out and play really well. We're going to get to our picks and stuff later, but it's a big spread. Uh, you know, they wouldn't have covered last year. It was like 30 points or whatever against rice without those, pick sixes well now you know kind of what you have on offense probably gonna score a lot of points you know if you give up like 24 on defense it's gonna be hard to cover the spread but if you keep it to like a 13 14 something like that 17 then you got a chance because you're probably going to score you know if you're hoping they're scoring like 50 points uh, in a game like this but we'll have to wait and see i wonder too usc has so much more depth this year if they're up 28 points late will you see a lot of second team guys and how will that affect the the margin of victory? So I'm looking at that too, because Lincoln Riley all camp has talked about how there's so much more depth, there's so much more depth, and they have more guys who are going to play with the ones than they did a year ago. So I just look at that too. Maybe some guys who wouldn't have necessarily played last year are getting into the game later on, and what is that going to look like in terms of a margin of victory? Yeah. All right. You know what we're going to do? We're going to take a uh, a quick break here and um, and come back. I will get uh, Jackson, uh, we'll just do use the phone line. I will call him in through that like we do with some some other guests. We want to try to you know do it through the video platform, but we'll call him in. So we're going to take a quick break. We usually not take a break when we say that on video, but it'll be about a minute or so uh, on the YouTube channel. So my apologies for that. We'll be back in a minute, and we'll come back with uh, Jackson Moore previewing USC and uh, San Jose State back in a minute. When
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, everybody, we're back trying to get Jackson on the line. Uh, uh, hello? Hey, Jackson Moore. There we go. Hey, people can hear you now. This is awesome. So, we, you know, use a little old school technology like Skype. Uh, so, sorry, uh, we had a little break there. If you're watching on uh, on YouTube, we'll just go right through this. If you're uh, listening on the podcast, shouldn't be a problem. But we have Jackson Moore in uh, inside the Spartans over at 24-7 Sports. Thanks uh, for coming on, man. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Well, uh, Connor had a good little, I mean, I, I like his <laughs> intro. You wanna, if you want to kind of go over, if you remember what he said or if you want to go back over it, Connor, we can do that. Sure, just quickly, the offensive line last year, Jackson, I know wasn't a strength for San Jose State, but a lot of the guys are coming back. How much better do you think this offensive line group will be? Because USC, they've really improved on the defensive front. That's my first question. Yeah, I, I think you know, it should be a, a pretty good size jump for the O-line um, just because these guys, most of them weren't necessarily juniors or non-super seniors last year. I mean, they at times had three redshirt freshmen in the five-man O-line last season. So uh, it should be a big jump from basically year one to year two for a lot of those guys. I mean, not as big of a jump to be ready to handle USC per se, but um, you know, they've had some offensive weapons when you're talking about the Mountain West where they can just get some decent improvement from that group it could go a long way jackson the uh what's the projections i guess for this team it was seven and five last year um you know do you feel like this can be an upper half of the mountain west kind of program this year where where would you just kind of stand overall going into the season yeah you know i i think this is a, a pretty solid mountain west team but i think the schedule is just very you know, it's not favorable for them. It's not going to be conducive to probably a very impressive record. Starting at USC is especially rough. Uh, then they host Oregon State the following week. Um, after an FCS game, they have to go to Toledo. Then they host Air Force and go to Boise State. So, I mean, they've got like their four toughest games in the first six weeks of the season, which is not a, a good recipe. But I think all things considered, just within the Mountain West, this is probably a a third, fourth, or fifth place type of team, one that should go bowling if they can take care of business and the games that they can win. And um, I think they're pretty solid at a lot of places, a couple of question marks, but uh, having the conference's best quarterback, I mean, that goes a long way no matter what's going on the rest of the, the program. Yeah, Yeah. so you mentioned that. Is it Chavon Cordero? Am I saying that right? Yeah, Chevin. Chevin. So last year has a great year, didn't turn the ball over very much at all, was very efficient, now coming back, realistically, what kind of production do you expect him to have against USC? Such a loaded question when the Trojans haven't played a game yet, but it is a defense that should be a lot better than it was a year ago. San Jose State arguably has the best quarterback in the Mountain West, though. What what kind of uh, game do you think he can have? Is there a chance where he throws for a couple scores, or do you think it's just going to be an overmatch situation? Yeah, I mean, I think he's good enough to make some things happen. I think probably the battle on the line of scrimmage is, not going to give him much assistance there, give him many opportunities. Also, you know, he's got also a preseason all-conference receiver, Justin Lockhart, and there's some murmurs swirling around that he might not be 100% for the opener. And oh. uh, they lost their top receiver from last year, Elijah Cook. So 
But if you have Lockhart, it's not too big of a drop-off. He's really good that you go from losing Cooks and not having Lockhart available. Uh, you're throwing a lot of guys in there that haven't really played on that stage before uh, in that particular position group. So um, it could be a tough day for him, not just because of you know, his particular skill set, but the things that are going on around him. I think you'll still see a few highlights, but he's really at his best when he can get out of the pocket and make some things happen with his legs. And I just think it's going to be tough to create those opportunities with the USC defense in front of him. Uh, Brent Brennan, especially during the, the, the 2020 pandemic year, I mean, he, he was a hot commodity as far as coaches go. It seems like San Jose state must be pretty happy that he stuck around. How, how do you kind of assess uh, what he's been doing and, and his name is still, is it still bantered around out there uh, about other jobs and stuff? Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's been just such a perfect fit for the program. No one, uh, he had history with the program and knows what it takes to get something going there. Uh, they just put in their new team facility, the Spartan Athletic Center, which was a $70 million building that basically takes up the sideline stands of the stadium right now. Um, just a grass berm with that big uh, monstrous building behind it, which the players are loving. And it's uh, further boosting their recruiting. They've got a fairly new athletic director who's really bought in the coach Brennan and uh, kind of resetting the ideas of how to build the program, kind of going the Boise early year route of scheduling a little lighter. They're trying to avoid these types of games that they're playing this weekend for future years to try to you know, give the program their best opportunity to go bowling and uh, put together more home games and winnable games. So uh, I think there hasn't been quite as much momentum from the 2020 season where they won the conference championship and his name was everywhere uh, for jobs, but uh, they've been decent the last couple of years and they seem to be trending to where they can more regularly be uh, an above 500 team. Outside of the quarterback spot, what's the strength of San Jose state this year? Yeah. Um, I mean, quarterback is definitely the big one to have, have who they have. Uh, the defense is, kind of a question mark they lose so much in the front seven but uh, they do bring a, a lot back i'd say probably the safety position is the most solid group on the defensive side of the ball chase williams former trojan being one of them um as well as uh, trey jenkins back there the two of them are veterans and have played a lot of football started every game together last year just about so i mean that's uh, about as solid as it gets on that side of the ball i feel like the receiving group could be a strength uh, there's a lot of names that are going to be in key roles, if they have Lockhart healthy, Nick Nash, who was a former quarterback, um, he's really looked promising at receiver. They've got a few others that, I mean, they're probably four or five deep. So I, I think this is a team that will really execute well in the passing game once they get past these first couple of weeks. You talked about the defense. I was going to ask you about, uh, you know, Chase Williams, how he's been kind of doing there. And uh, we are, what, what can a, uh, you know, overall, the, what you've seen the last couple of years from a San Jose State defense, what do they kind of like try to take away? What do they do well? Um, you know, what's sort of been the MO on the defensive side? Yeah, it's a 3-4 scheme. And in the last couple of years, they've kind of branched out a little bit. They've had a lot of talent on the D-line. So they've had some four-man fronts. And this year, they lose a ton from the D-line from last year. They bring back quite a bit of experience. They brought in technically 11 new defensive linemen <laughs> that were signed wow. from one point or another throughout the class. If you include walk-ons and a guy or two that have changed positions, but I mean, they have really tried to double down on you know, having talent and depth there up front. They're really strong at pass rushing, but that's been spearheaded by junior Fajoko and Cade Hall, who were both conference player of the years over the last three years, but are now both 
moved on, no longer with the team as they've run out of eligibility. So that's kind of the thing is that the identity of this team the last few years has been those two defensive ends, and now they're not there. So kind of a wait and see. Even one of the other big identities was Kyle Harmon, at inside linebacker, who was just kind of a, one of those guys that towed the line as far as uh, what's allowed and what's not with his physicality and <laughs> kind of violence on the field. So uh, that's kind of gone too. So we're looking to see um, exactly what the identity of this defense is going to be. Um, Derek Odom has been the defensive coordinator throughout the whole Brent Brennan era, and they play to their strengths, and now it feels like they're going to have a different set of strengths this year than we're used to seeing. What's San Jose State's reputation traditionally? Did they – make any special teams plays? We've seen USC struggle in the special teams game in the past. Do, do they have any returners who, who could make some noise? Uh, has it been win on defense? I know the quarterback is back, so maybe this year it'll be a little different. But what's the reputation of this team been like in the last few years? Yeah, it's kind of been tough to tell. Uh, just, I mean, 7-5, five, 5-7 and seven the last two years. It's kind of just been pretty average. Um, the year before that, they had the spike where they won the conference championship. So, it's kind of been viewed as a, a middle-of-the-road Mountain West team the last two years, and um, you know they have a lot of those pieces back. There's been some highlights in the special teams. Kenyon Reed has had some good performances. We'll see if they, they went kind of a different direction last year. Um, in the kicking game, that was one that was a, a big deal for San Jose State last year. Uh, they were down to one kicker, and it did, wasn't pretty. They were very uh, hamstrung when it came to – it came to field goals. Uh, I mean, they'd go for it a lot on fourth down or would punt when a lot of teams would kick field goals. So they did bring in Kyler Halverson, a new kicker from Hawaii. And uh, if he can come through, uh, they should be, I mean, just having a competent field goal kicker might be the difference between a win or two on this season that they didn't get last year. You're bringing in a kicker from Hawaii. You talked about it. who are some of the bigger names uh, that, that USC fans should look for that, um, either returning or new guys coming from the transfer portal that have been impressive in the spring and or the fall? Yeah, one new transfer is DJ Harvey, the SoCal guy who went off to Virginia Tech. He's now come back to the West Coast of uh, San Jose State, and it looks like he may start at cornerback, uh, was once a four-star recruit and had a ton of offers, and um, Spartans were able to get him on the bounce back in the portal. Um, the tight ends are a big part of this offense, and they've got a couple of good ones. Uh, Sam Olson and Dominic Mazzotti have both had some highlight performances, but have both not quite been able to put together 12 healthy weeks quite yet in their careers. So uh, just going into the first game with both of those guys healthy is a dimension that uh, they're definitely going to look to utilize. Um, on the D-line, uh, one big one to know is Trey Smith. Uh, he is a defensive end who missed basically all of last year with injury, and they're kind of hyping him up as the next Cade Hall or Junior Fajoko. And, you know, I mean, buzzes through the roof for this kid, even though we haven't seen him play a whole lot. So uh, if there's one player that kind of comes out of nowhere this year, it should definitely be him. It's funny. Blackie Chan uh, on our YouTube channel said, uh, how's the tight end for San Jose State? And then once you were talking about that being a strength, he's like, damn it. Yeah, because USC's had some trouble stopping tight ends. We'll see. Uh, that, yeah, that we, I mean, you saw Dal Dalton Kincaid last year, you know, I've never seen a tight end performance like that. 15 of 15 targets. Like it was absolutely crazy. So <laughs> it sounds like that could be one area where uh, San Jose state can really hurt USC. If the, you get the tight ends rolling. Yeah. yeah Olson's a guy that's had like an 80 plus yard touchdown in his career. Mazzotti had I think 200 yard games last year before he got hurt. Mazzotti's a, a former quarterback and they're both about 
six five and not the fastest for most athletic guys, but um, you know, really good size for tight ends. And uh, they're still going to be in shotgun, and most of the time they're going to have three receivers on the field. But those guys, uh, when they're not blocking, just turn into basically giant slot receivers for them. I'm seeing so many guys from Southern California looking at the depth chart. I just wonder who's going to have somewhat of a decent homecoming game. You mentioned DJ Harvey Jackson. I see two uh, backup quarterbacks who are, who are from Southern California as well. Is Walker Egypt the official backup? So last year he was the backup after they moved Nick Nash to receiver. Um, the depth chart we just got this week has either Tyler Voss or Jay Butterfield as the backup. Um, they haven't committed to one over the other. Uh, I feel like Voss has had a really good camp, um, but Egypt coming from Oregon, former four-star is a hard resume to deny. Um, now talking to a lot of these SoCal guys, that's one thing that they take some comfort in going into this game is that they've been around a lot of these players that USC has on the seven-on-seven circuit and camps and high school and all that. So some of these guys feel like they won't be you know, as wide-eyed looking up at the Coliseum and being in that environment as maybe some other teams would be. The uh, This is a team last year that kept seems like kept a lot of games – close um i mean like wins over portland state and nevada by four and seven points but you know losing to by eight points at auburn um seven to fresno state four to you know lost by four at utah state seems like they've been in a lot of games last year is that sort of kind of like the mo they just kind of like always were uh keeping things close yeah, you know, um, they played it very well at Auburn last season. Uh, that was a, a strong point for the team. They started out really strong, and, I mean, they pretty much blew it at Fresno State against the Bulldogs' backup quarterback. If they would have won that one, um, they would have had a two-game advantage and the tiebreaker over Fresno State, who uh, instead beat the Spartans and went on to win the conference championship. So, I mean, that was a turning point. They had the tragedy on the team, losing uh, one of their players to an accident. Uh, which was, uh, I mean, just a tough thing for the program to get over. Uh, you don't know how much that played into the back half of the season, but the, the San Diego State game was kind of a head-scratcher. It got away from them. The Utah State game on the road, uh, I mean, it ended up being a four-point game, but um, just felt like the defense was, was out of that one. And the bowl game as well wasn't pretty either. So that's tough. Uh, they seem to take care of business against the bottom-half teams, but they struggled against some of the top half in the conference. I won't ask you to make a prediction, but the spread, it's a big one, 30.5 points, USC's favored by. What's just your instant reaction to that? Does that right off the bat sound too high? Does that sound about right? Do, do you, With so many unknowns, do, do you think that is a realistic spread? Just, just thoughts on that. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me too much. I feel like San Jose State should be a bowl-eligible type team, if not compete within the Mountain West at the top end, but this just feels like a matchup that they're just not ready for. Um, yeah, I, I think especially the way that USC plays on offense and they're going to be spreading it out and be up tempo and the way San Jose state also is going to be, you know, not a strong running team. They're going to air it out a lot. I think there's going to be a lot of possessions and a lot of points, particularly on the Trojan side. And it's one of those games where I think you, know, you might get more points based off the two styles of plays than uh, maybe the margin would be with two other teams of a similar talent gap that play a little differently. All right, Jackson Moore, go check out his work. Um, yeah, we got to talk to you last year with uh, Fresno State, talk to you this year with San Jose State. 
Um, and of course, Cal and Stanford down the road. So we got uh, Jackson does it all. He's got a, a lot of West Coast programs he's covering. So we appreciate you coming on, Jackson. Sorry about the little technical snafus in the beginning. Oh, no worries. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. All right. That's uh, Jackson Moore. Uh, Connor gets some some insight there from uh, from what Jackson had to say. Yeah, based on how we finished the conversation, I'm leaning towards picking USC to cover, especially if they're going to try to air it out a little bit and they don't have a run game. USC wasn't very good against the run last year. I mean, they weren't very good at all towards the end of the year. weren't playing a caliber team like San Jose State. But I, I just think if this San Jose State, State team was going to cover, I'd hope that running the ball would be a part of that and they'd establish the run and maybe be able to eat some clock, not necessarily score, but at least pick up a couple first downs. If they're dropping back and throwing a lot, I think that plays right into USC's hands with this totally um, different front seven that the Trojans have. So I, I guess I'm leaning that way, but I, in my head, I feel like USC wins by 28, four touchdowns. So I don't know. I could, I could really go either way, but just based off what, uh, Jackson had to say there, it, it seems like the, the strength is the quarterback, but outside of that, there are so many unknowns. And I think that's, uh, if you're a betting person, you, USC has a lot more knowns than San Jose State does. And uh, it's a lot of points, but I, I feel pretty good about it. Yeah, I would say, uh, and we're going to do our picks. Um, so we do for uscfootball.com. We'll have the whole staff do their picks against the spread every uh, every week. So we got to get that going. And, um, you know, I did my picks for the for the, pack, the podcast of champions, and I had USC covering. I think we had it at 31 points for that one. I was like, all right, we're just going to, you know, pick them to cover. <laughs> uh, so I here's a couple of factors, though. One, there's rule changes. So there's going to be fewer plays in games. So, like, the, I think – I don't know if – and this is something that David Woods brought up on the podcast, like – how much that impacts things as far as like, you know, bigger spreads, like you, you're not gonna have as many plays to score as many points and, and build up as big of a lead. So that, that could be a factor that because the, the clock's not stopping at every first down anymore, um, that you are going to lose some plays in the game. So we haven't seen that. This will be one of the first games we get to see. Uh, so I think that'll be interesting. USC will score points. I mean, San Jose state lost a lot of dudes on the defensive side of the ball. I don't think that was going to be a problem. And for USC fans that don't think this is going to be a real test for the defense, I think it will be, especially because it's you have a really experienced quarterback, probably the best, you know, the best in their conference in the Mountain West, who has good tight ends to throw to that USC's had trouble with. If USC can get some stops, and this is not a team that turns the ball over a lot, USC gets some stops. Um, I think it's going to go a long way. If if USC's defense is just kind of letting like long drives, even like long field goal drives go where you give like three, four first downs on a drive, I don't think that would be a very good sign. So I think we can learn a lot uh, from this, probably not on the offensive side. I think the offense is just going to score, but defensively, I think you can learn uh, some from this and, you know, see how special teams does. Um, I like, I've, I've said this a bunch of times. I'm not looking for USC to force a bunch of turnovers. I want to see them get stops. I want to see them get three and outs, Force punts. I want to see that. I want to see more punt returns than interception <laughs> returns. I think you can pretty confidently say, especially if Jaden Rashada gets a start for Arizona State, seems to be treading in that direction. It looks like Cordero's the best quarterback USC's going to face the first four weeks. The Nevada quarterback, it's going to be a new guy. Stanford, they, of course, lose Tanner McKee. Arizona State, it could be Drew Pine, but it could be Jaden Rashada, so it's going to be someone new. Maybe Pine would be the best. I, I I don't know. Cordero, I think to me, though, out of those first four is, is going to be that best quarterback. And 
when the schedule starts off so easy, you got to go up against who you go up against. So I, I think USC could make a statement in this game if they play really well, because they're not going to see a better quarterback for the following three weeks. I don't think. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry, Blackie Chan. Uh, he, he wanted us to ask Jackson about uh, the demise of the Pac-12 and if Oregon State and Washington State move into the Mountain West. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, he covers Cal and Stanford and covers Fresno State. And I've known Jackson for a while. I actually, you know, if you guys didn't know, I used to run. So way back when I was at Rivals, which was until like 2013 or something like that, um, no one was running the Fresno State rival site, so I just took it over, and I was running that. So I would go up there. Uh, Tim Derrida was the head coach. Uh, Derek Carr, uh, Devontae Adams were on the the team. So it was a lot of fun to cover. I mean, it was, and yeah, it was, it was funny. Just you know, you cover USC. There's like a whole bunch of coverage and stuff. Fresno State, there, Fresno State, there's not that much. Like the first day I'm there, like the local TV station's like, "Hey, you want to come on?" Like, "Yeah, sure." Um, but they really care about the football and stuff there. And Jackson was going to school there and was like kind of interning. And, uh, you know, he ended up taking over the site. So I gave it up and let him take it over. And that was great. But he's been helping us on a lot of the West Coast schools that aren't as big, you know, big followings like Stanford or Cal. They just don't have huge followings. So he's been doing a lot of that. So I think he has a pretty unique perspective on that coming over. Um, yeah, I think it would help the Mountain West uh, for sure if, if uh, Washington State and Oregon State go in there. Uh, I don't know if Cal and Stanford are going to do that. They would, I think they would rather reconstitute the Pac-12. But the fact that we're getting closer and closer to, you know, now we're kicking off 2023 and that, you know, every week is closer and closer to 2024 and not even having a conference in place yet. It's pretty crazy. Just the Big Ten not having their schedule out for 2024. It's kind of weird, but at least they know who their TV partners are. They know who which teams are going to be there. I mean, not even know who you're going to be playing. Uh, it's it's pretty nuts right now with that. <laughs> at least the Big Ten knows their TV partners, but. You know who doesn't know their TV partners is Cal, Stanford, Oregon yeah. State, Washington State. The clock's ticking. Yeah, and last week we talked about how the AAC was maybe a potential landing spot for some of these Pac-12 teams. Just looking on Twitter, I haven't extensively dove into it, but is Stanford and Cal, the ACC, I think is picking up a little bit of steam and that, yeah. that could happen, which to me I totally don't get, but in this world of up being down and down being up, I you know logistically it doesn't make any sense, but nothing – logistically makes sense with college sports right now so hey you know if that works for those two great and then yeah i guess if cal and stanford do leave and they abandon the other two teams what is washington state and oregon state going to do i think the mountain west would make the the most sense i don't really know why they would go to the aac i just feel like the money wouldn't really be no. that different yeah i don't think it would really constitute that i mean and we've We've heard that we were supposed to hear, I mean, there was supposed to be some word about the the ACC and Cal and Stanford. And uh, you see some of the reporters tweeting that like there was going to be a vote. And when there's no vote, that means that you didn't have the votes. So you needed to get 12 out of the 15. And now there was at least, there was four teams that were saying no, apparently. Florida State being one of them. And they're one that was like making a lot of noise earlier. So uh, it if there's a vote there, if they've switched the mind of one or two of those other, the no votes, then I think you hear about it. But so far, it doesn't seem like that's happened yet. And uh, it's a shame because I I love the Washington State and Oregon State fan bases. It's, it's great to go up there to games and they're sort of in a, a bad spot. There is still some value in the Pac-12. There's all these, you know, six years worth of NCAA units. Um, there's a, you know, I think they have like kind of a slush fund. So they, there is some value to that. And, you know, it would have to be something, you know, for them to 
kind of keep the Pac-12 or whatever would be going forward going, I, I think, you know, if the collective of the Mountain West schools felt it was better, you know, you're in a better uh place being in a, an automatic qualifier conference, they almost would have to dissolve the Mountain West and just all of them just kind of move up into the the Pac-12 or whatever you want to call it at that point. And, you know, maybe it's a case where you're like, hey, we're going to let the commissioner of the Mountain West take over, be the, the new commissioner for this. But the entity itself that where, you know, Oregon State, Washington State are is just going to be more valuable, whatever was left of the Pac-12 because of all those units and everything. Um, than what the Mountain West has. So yeah, that's, there's a lot of stuff that could happen, but man, it's it's got to happen fast. This is just kind of crazy right now. Yeah, just feel bad for Washington State and Oregon State if Cal and Stanford do leave for the ACC because then their hands kind of forced and they just got to, I think, join the Mountain West. It's, it's sad. I, I feel bad for those fan bases and uh, how do we let it get to this point? No, it's bad. Nick says that the Mountain West commissioner was rumored to be in Pullman Tuesday to make a pitch. Um, and it, yeah, maybe it's some sort of partnership where they sort of, I can't see George Klyovkov being a part of this anymore, yeah. even though he's got like three, I believe Kanzano or, or Wilner said he has like three years on his deal. It's like three and a half million bucks a, a pop or whatever. Um, yeah, maybe there's some sort of merger. Uh, I don't know. Um, they need to do something. I'd hope he would resign. Yeah, I think just he needs to move on because that that just didn't work. Um, nice. All right, let's see. Why don't we do some questions? Uh, if you had, I think there's some in the chat, and I know I have an email. Again, sorry, we had a little technical gaffe there trying to get him on at first, but we got him on uh, Jackson on to talk some San Jose State, so that was good. Um, we had a question from Matt in L.A. He's Los Feliz Trojan on the Peristyle. With the new rules about not stopping the clock after first downs, will that help our defense? I know people mostly complain about, quote, less football, but could these rules help our defense by taking more time off the clock when our high-powered offensive drive, drives down the field? It seems there have never been an air raid or an air raid shootout that has had a great defense, often blamed because they are taking no time off the clock and giving the ball right back to an opposing team, even if they score. Does time of possession even matter anymore? Looking for a silver lining with this new rule. Thanks, Matt in L.A. I don't think it makes a huge difference. I still think if you stink on defense, you stink on defense, regardless if the clock stops or not. Maybe will there be a little wrinkle here or there where there's a little bit less time and that could mean something changes? Yeah, but I think overall the game isn't changing that much. I don't anticipate these new rules really changing all that much. Look at the NFL. The clock doesn't stop there, and it's a very similar product. So I don't think that really much is going to change at all. It's just all about your scheme, all about your personnel. And the clock, I think, is one of the lowest things that the coaches are worried about. They're more worried about the the defense making plays. I get the question, but I I don't really think much is going to change. I agree with you. And it's like, so say, um, you know, USC uh, kicks off and uh, San Jose State kind of drives down the field methodically 80 yards and like kicks a short field goal at the end. And the defense looks a little gassed out of the game and then usc scores in like five plays okay they score a touchdown does it matter that the clock was running or not like the defense is still resting for that amount the same amount of time like it doesn't change anything as far as like they get more time off it's just is the the clock the the game clock running or not so instead of you know you get a first down and the game clock would stop but usc would get up to the line and run another play and 
if the clock was running or not, the defense is still resting the same amount of time. Now, it might take away some plays at the end, so maybe you're not gassed on the very last drive, but I just don't think it's going to be that big of a it's, – it's, it's the same for both, you know, like – uh, you know, the offense is going to be, you know, have probably fewer plays to do what they need to do. The defense will have to defend for fewer plays, but so will everyone else's defense. So I I, I don't see it like some advantage for USC. Where it is going to screw teams up is the two minute drill when you're so used to the first down stopping the clock. And maybe some teams, at least early on when this is so new, won't be used to that on offense because in the past, you, you know, you, you get the first down and stops the clock and then the ball set and then starts again. Um so with that changing, that could maybe impact some teams, but I don't think defensively I'm really looking at that. I'm looking at it more from an offensive uh, perspective. All right. Uh, let's go to a YouTube question from Andrew. Is Miller Moss going to stay and be our John David Booty or Mark Sanchez, or does Nelson get the nod? A year from now? I think uh, Miller is going to stay as the backup this year. I, I haven't seen anything to make me think that'll change. And then next year I think he's in an open competition with Malachi Nelson if um, – Caleb Williams leaves, and then in the transfer portal, maybe USC could add someone, but I think Miller Moss, he certainly has a chance a, a year from now, so if he loses the job, I think he would leave at that point. We'll see, though. Yeah, um, I think he's kind of the clear number two guy right now, and will that stay uh, next year? Do they bring in a a transfer? You know, We have to kind of wait and see, but I think he's got a real good shot to play a lot this year um, but, you know, with an improved defense a really ridiculously good offense. I think he's going to get in a lot of games. And if he's impressive, then I think he'd have a decent shot at starting uh, next year. All right. We got one from Mike who says, how many freshmen do you think will start? Great question. Uh, at the most, I think, assuming we're just talking about offense and defense too. And yeah, that special teams, I you throw that out. I don't think a kicker or punter will, will be a, a freshman. I could see Tackett Curtis starting if there are some injuries in the linebacking core and some guys don't go in that first game because there have been some injury issues there. And then Zach Branch, for the same reason I just talked about, there could be some guys banged up in the receiver room who aren't 100% who maybe just want to be cautious. They sit out. Those are the two I'm looking at. Am I missing anyone obvious, Ryan? I think those two guys have the best chance. I think the over-under would be 0.5 because I think if it is going to happen, there would be one. I don't really think two will start. It's possible those two come to mind. I don't think anyone else has a chance in terms of true freshmen. Right. When you're when you're talking about bringing the kind of firepower they brought in through the transfer portal, especially in the front seven, you got a bunch of experienced guys in the secondary. Um, you know, I like the freshman running backs, but you got veterans there in front of them. I just it's I think it's gonna be hard for those guys to start. Now, if there's injuries and like Eric Gentry's slow to come along, like attack of Curtis, yeah, you could see someone like that getting in there but even with like a Zachariah Branch who's gonna I think he's gonna have a great career there's just a lot of really good dudes that I don't know if he'll end up being the starter now who knows maybe he will but um yeah I think 0.5 is probably where you're going here this this is not a team you're looking at and they're like well they're gonna start a lot of freshmen I don't think that's gonna be the case the third guy on the freshman depth chart overall on the team the guy I think will get the most snaps I don't think he'll start is Sam Green. I think he's earned a lot of special teams reps. And later in the game, I could see him getting a call very early on if it gets out of hand to, to play on the defensive line at either rush end or defensive end. He's the guy that's really made the, the third biggest impression, I think. Maybe you throw in Jacoby Lane, a receiver, Christian Pierce, a safety. I don't envision those guys getting in until a little bit later, until a little bit later on. But Sam Green, I think he could see some significant snaps, but I don't expect him to start. 
Uh, we got a question from Racer X on YouTube. I, I should have worn my uh, Speed Racer um, T-shirt. Uh, Racer, I loved uh, I loved watching that show when I was a kid. Uh, I think that's before your time, Connor. But that's okay. Uh, who do you guys think will be our next big twenty twenty four recruit? I think it's going to have to be a flip. So, yeah, for a big name, one, I think it would have to be flips. I yeah, think. it it's too bad they're not really in. I mean, Edric Houston commits today. It doesn't sound like he will choose USC. The great defensive lineman from Georgia, so you can cross him off. Maybe you hope Kingston Viliamuasa changes his mind and flips from Notre Dame. You could maybe make the same argument for Peyton Woodyard, but then he just flipped from Georgia to Alabama, so I don't believe he'll flip again. You, you never say never, I guess. So those two guys, local guys, come to mind. I I don't really know outside of that how much else uh, could potentially change. Uh, looking at those official visitor lists from July, maybe a receiver here or there, but uh, those are the two that pop into my head. I, I think right now USC needs to win some games to really impact some recruits to change their mind. They're kind of at a standstill. Yeah, I would agree with you there. Uh, and then getting, you know, when we mentioned, uh, you know, a guy like Juju Lewis, when you have a guy like that in your class there, I mean, it just, it helps to have a quarterback. You can try to flip guys. You can bring in a lot of do. It just really helps to have like a star quarterback. And USC didn't really get it for 2024. And, you know, it's just, it's a hard to have like a great class when you don't have a quarterback. You know who might be the next big recruit? He released his top three today, junior college cornerback Sione Lalua from, uh, he went to Sarah San Mateo. I think he's at San Mateo Junior College. Corner safety, a, a defensive back. It was Oregon, one other school in USC today. He released his top three. So he would arrive next year if he does commit. I think oh. Oregon's the favorite. So he probably would be the, the first guy on the list. But I know that's not exactly a high school recruit. So it's a little bit different. We'll do lo- one last one uh, from Blackie Chan. Who do you think, well, what do you think the odds are that Juju Lewis reclassifies to 2025? guess you never want to say 100 or zero so i'll say 90 i think it's very likely yeah i would agree with you it seems like that's kind of where you're going with this um yeah and uh that's where you go there but huge 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 recruit like connor said um people thinking the best recruit of the next three classes he would be that guy so that's the kind of quarterback you want to bring in there and can get you know can create a lot of momentum on the recruiting trail for for everywhere else all right well that's going to wrap things up we uh, get to talk about New recruit, talk about new athletic director, and we give you a little preview of USC San Jose State. Um, if you haven't listened, we will have a emergency composite two-star recruits podcast uh, talking about uh, the commitment of uh, Julian Lewis, 2026 uh, top quarterback. So we'll, you can stay tuned for that. And we will have a tunnel vision uh, show previewing again, uh, USC versus San Jose State uh, on Thursday night at 7 p.m., We'll take live calls like we've been doing before, so that should be a lot of fun. So we'll be back to that. Uh, Jack Smith will be here, and uh, Chris Trevino will be here because Connor's got some uh, other plans he needs to go uh, take care of. But uh, we'll have uh, Jack, myself, and Chris here on Tunnel Vision, 7 p.m. Um, again, that's more of our video show. I know we're doing this on video too, but the video show that we happen to you know give you guys as a podcast, but we'll take live calls. It should be a lot of fun, so I uh, hope you guys can kind of stay tuned for that. Uh, any final thoughts, Connor, before we take off? Just reading the comments, it looks like the clock stops under two minutes if you get a first down, so wipe that from the record when I was talking about. Uh, oh, oh, I didn't realize. You. Okay, two, yeah. Two-minute two drills, um, but 
Besides that, I, I just think San Jose State, they have a lot of guys from Southern California, guys I covered in the high school rank, so I'm excited to see them in the Coliseum. And if you're a USC fan on the fence about going to the game, of course, you want to root on the Trojans, but maybe you'll see a familiar face, someone who went to your local high school or something, if you come out and watch San Jose State play as well. There's a lot of guys from Southern California. Plus, it's on Pac-12 Network, so you have a lot of incentive to go out there and uh, and just watch in person <laughs> if you could do it. Um, all right, well, for... Uh, Connor Morissette, uh, I am Ryan Abraham. I almost said I am Chris Trevino. I was doing that. <laughs> uh, we, should we do a little pose or something? I don't know. We want to. Um, How about a one for, or zero for week zero? One or zero? Week zero? Okay, okay. we can do that. All right. Week zero, everybody. We're here. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed the show, and uh, we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 